Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of the TakeCast. My name is Davis Maddock. You guys can find me on Twitter at Davis Maddock. In this episode of the show, I'm joined by the CEO of StarStock.com. His name is Scott Greenberg and we had a pretty in-depth conversation about StarStock, which is effectively a stock market for sports trading cards. They handle physical cards that collectors send into them and then you can own trade, sell, you know, do whatever you want with the physical cards on Starstock. Effectively, you know, uh, eliminating a lot of the friction out of the trading card market. And, uh, you know, I've I've been, ha- I've had an account on Starstock and I find the product to be insanely useful. I, I think that uh, it really is the future of collecting sports cards, especially for those of us like myself who uh, really want to speculate. If you want to sign up on Starstock, you can get a free 10 bucks, no strings attached, using the promo code DavisMatic. The link to that is in the description to the show. Uh, if you want to support the show, we are doing daily episodes of Top Shots Tangents on Patreon, or you can just leave a rating or review on iTunes, Google Play, wherever you listen to podcasts. Now let's go ahead and get into the show. <laughs> All right, everyone, welcoming in Scott here, the CEO of Starstock into the program. Very excited to have Scott on the show. I have a bunch of questions that I want to ask him for selfish purposes. Uh, yeah. So first of all, Scott, how are you doing? Thank you very much for joining the program and, uh, you know, just uh, prepare to be bombarded, I think. Amazing. Uh, thanks for having me on. No, really excited. Yeah. So for, for the uninitiated, effectively, Starstock is kind of uh, an answer to the question that all of us have been asking for for our whole lives, which is we would love to be able to frictionlessly invest in athletes, right? We, we want to be able to invest in like, oh, I, I love CeeDee Lamb. I think CeeDee Lamb is going to be the best wide receiver in the NFL. So it's, it's, a, it's beautiful. It's a brilliant idea. And I don't need to, I don't need to sell you any more uh, on it than that. But this is where I want to start with you, Scott, first, you know, how did you get involved in cards? What was your story? Like, did you have baseball cards in your, your spokes when you were a kid? Like what, what's the, what is the, the, the story for how you became involved in the, the hobby? Yeah. So I grew up a really big collector, actually like these cards that are behind me, these sheets of cards. That oh, are kind of beautiful. In our office. Those were in my bedroom um, from as long ago as I can remember till I was maybe 12 or 13 years old. Um, and then I think like a lot of other people around my age, uh, you know, I, I put down the collecting of cards for, you know, several years when I, when I got to like middle school age, brought my cards up to the attic. And then um, about two or three years ago, got, got back into it. Um, and, you know, so it's a, it's a classic story in the hobby, right? You know, a lot of us grew up collecting cards. It was a big part of our life. Um, we moved on to other things. Uh, for me at the time, it was, you know, fantasy sports and um, became like a, a, a sports better as well. And then uh, got back into it two or three years ago and was just kind of really intrigued by how the market changed. Um, and, you know, being a really big basketball fan, um, you know, I, I saw it as a way 
uh, as you said, to basically invest in athletes, to buy athletes. And, and that's really what triggered me to get back in. And now I'm, I'm back in the hobby and I'd say I, I collect, I invest, I trade, I do it all. Yeah. And uh, so I, I mean, very similar for me too. I, I had cards and all that stuff when I was a kid, long, uh, long time in fantasy sports, seasonal fantasy, daily fantasy, all, all the kinds of fantasy games that ever happened. Pandemic comes, everyone else starts to get back into sports cards. And I'm like, I had those when I was a kid, the barrier of entry seems high and the barrier of entry is very high. One of the things that I, I love the most about Starstock is that it limits that barrier of entry. It's it's very frictionless in terms of put your money on. It tells you that like you can see the grades of the card. You you search. Uh, you don't make the mistakes of like buying uh, second year cards. Like I'm 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 getting back into cards. I mean, literally like a month ago. And here I can even show you some of the mistakes I made. Like we can literally just go through here. So like. Uh, college jersey made a mistake didn't know you shouldn't buy college jersey cards uh second year cards didn't know you shouldn't buy second year cards so like i i have these cool psa slabs you know that that look cool but i just i am making a ton of mistakes and some of those mistakes are are limited on the platform right like the the way that star star works it's like if you want to buy someone it's just their rookie card right you're not you and you're not taking gma slabs in on on the site which i i think is very cool but we should we should rewind a little bit because before we get to uh to in the weeds starstock the idea where where does the germination of it begin and how did it you know kind of flesh out into reality yeah um so i i got into it you know as i was saying got back into it around two or three years ago uh we started the company with uh two other partners um mike was also really getting back into it around around a similar time even actually a little bit before um and our our third partner nigel uh wasn't into sports cards at all didn't collect sports cards growing up um but has a an extensive background in in fantasy sports as well as sports betting um and so you know i've been good friends with him for you know three or four years now um and and mike was working with him at the time and so he was hearing about sports cards from me and he was hearing about sports cards from Mike. Um, and so he basically put the three of us together and identified that there's something really interesting here. Um, because he, you know, he saw how we were basically using them as athlete stocks. Um, and so what we put together was this is actually the best way to build out an athlete stock market. And you can do it using, um, a tangible asset to back every player, um, that, has had store value for hundreds of years, uh, which sports cards have had. Um, and so all we had to do was figure out a way to kind of take out some of that friction from eBay. Um, and so for me, you know, I'm, I'm a millennial sports fan here. Um, and so I'm sure, you know, similarly to you, we're, we're used to setting our fantasy football lineup two minutes before kickoff. Um, and so that's, that's, you know, the era that we grew up in. Um, and so just the idea of, buying an athlete and waiting two weeks for, you know, the ownership to actually complete just makes no sense at all. Um, and not being able to buy at scale also doesn't make sense at all because we can buy a hundred shares of Tesla and Robinhood, um, you know, with one transaction. And so we basically wanted to figure out a way to do that. And so our model is, uh, every single card that you see on our website is actually sitting in a centralized vault. And so by putting, putting all those cards in one location, 
we uh, basically separate ownership and possession. Um, and so we allow people to trade those athletes on our site at scale and instantly um, without needing to actually take possession of the cards. Which is a brilliant idea because some of the biggest hassles and the barriers of entry are, I mean, literally things like going to the post office. Like I, I'm sitting here talking to you right now. I have like 300 cards sitting on my desk and it, I'll be honest, like the chances of me ever listing these cards up on eBay, going to the post office, shipping them out. Like it's just so low. Like I will yeah. open all these packs and do all the, and buy these slabs. And even if, you know, like I, I bought a bunch of, uh, uh, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. cards, right? Slabs. And like, I think he's going to have this great season. And in my mind, I'm like, oh, I'm really investing. I'm making a really smart financial decision. But like, I'm not going to go list all these things because it's it's a lot of effort. And, uh, you know, one of the things that I've, I, I'm big on is like, time is money. Your time is valuable. You really shouldn't spend your time uh, doing like menial tasks that can be replaced with like small amounts of money. And Starstock, like literally serves to solve that problem because you, I mean, obviously there are like associated fees with sending in and getting your cards graded and everything, but just the idea of, cause I love cards. I love the idea of cards. I love the way they, I not the way all of them look, but I love the way some of them look. And I, I love the idea of the tangible representation of the athlete. And so sending in a fat stack of cards to Starstock and just letting them trade there indefinitely. Like, I mean, it is, I just, I, I mean, the number one thing I wanted to get through on this podcast is I just think it's a brilliant idea. And I think that you guys should be a billion dollar company someday because it, it, it's, it's so clear that this is the direction everything in the world is going, transacting online, transacting without friction, uh, and doing so instantaneously. And I mean, I, I wish you guys nothing but success because it's such a brilliant idea. I appreciate that. Yeah, no, I, I was the same way. Uh, I knew the post office guy on a first name basis. And that was yeah. kind of when I was like, ah, maybe I should reconsider this. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm spending too much time here. I'm spending too much time printing shipping labels and things like that. Um, or it's the flip side, or you just like, you have a player and maybe you decide you're, you trade them in your head, but you actually don't really trade. Yep. Them. You know, you're like, mm -hmm. Oh, that was a great, that was a great investment. And this would be the perfect time to get rid of him, but it's a lot of work. So I'm not going to do it. Um, so that, that's, that's definitely, uh, you know, definitely one of the reasons why we've been able to build some liquidity is, uh, you know, we're, we're, um, we're solving one of those pain points in the hobby, uh, it seems like. Yeah. So I, I, I do, I am curious though, have you guys gotten any pushback? Like, have there been, you know, big people in, in the hobby that are like, you know, that's not how it should work. This makes it too easy for speculators. Cause that is something, um, again, as someone who literally knows almost nothing about like the actual world of cards, like I'm talking about, I've tried to get into this for like a month. My guess is that some people would kind of bristle at the idea of just making it more speculative and not, uh, you know, really ab about the collecting, about the personal connection to the card. I would imagine some people do not like that. Of course. Yeah. And I think with any, you know, business or anything that you put out there, um, to business content, whatever it is, you're going to have people that kind of push back. You're going to have fans. You're going to, um, you know, we don't have really haters. It doesn't seem like, but you know, you have people that definitely don't understand the value prop. Um, I also think like as the product stands today, it's really great for traders. Um, it's pretty good for investors too, 
but mm-hmm. it's not great for card collectors. And so that is an area that we, that we are actively like working on and that we've identified as, as an area that we need to improve is making the collectability inside of the site um, just a better experience. Um, and, and so that's something we're working on. Uh, but, you know, for the most part, the response has been really great um, out of the gate. And, and we've been uh, very fortunate that a, a lot of, uh, you know, people in the hobby have been supporting us and been, you know, using the site. Yeah, you got to let me live screenshot life with my collection. Like the ability to be like, look, I bought all these Dak Prescott Starstock A cards, you know, uh, they, like, I mean, literally, that's what I was doing last night was buying Dak Prescott Starstock A cards because this is a, a really good time to be buying. This is um, there's a really good time to be buying football cards because no one particularly cares all that much right now. Um, okay, so that was a lot of the broad stroke stuff. I am I do have some more wonky questions but uh you know anyone listening i do very much encourage you to check the site out and please stay tuned in as we get to the more wonky stuff so this is uh my big question as it pertains to the platform so i go search for a card i search for dak prescott i see his uh 2016 panini uh don russ optic cards we have star stock a star stock b star stock c and then the graded options so my biggest question right now is what kind of grades are you guys getting back on star stock? A? are those getting a lot of PSA tens, PSA nines kind of what has been your guys' results thus far with the star stock a cards? Yeah. So we've gotten one submission back from PSA. Uh, it was about 1200 cards in total. Our A's had a 92% uh, gem, uh, nine or 10 rate. So 92% of our A's got a nine or a 10 from PSA. Um, we were really excited about this, you know? So, w- you know, one of the reasons why we did the light grading system was based on our own experience on eBay. And, you know, you, yeah. you get a card from eBay, you have absolutely no clue what's showing up in the mail. And so we, you know, when, while we were building out the site, we we're like, how cool would it be if you could buy a raw card and you know that it's a good raw card, you know? And, and that's really the goal with Starstock A. With no guarantee it's a 10, no guarantee it's a nine, but you know, we're processing these cards anyway, we're looking at them. And so we, uh, you know, give them a light grade, um, based on if we think this has a good chance to, to, you know, get a mint or, or gem mint rate. Um, and so, you know, going into this, going into our first grading submission, I was hoping 60, 70, 80% potentially would come back a nine or a 10. And so we got 92%, which is a success in my eyes, because it means you can now go through the site and you can buy a Starstock A card with, with uh, confidence. Um, that yeah, it's a good high product. degree of certainty. Yeah. Um, and so that's, that's been the result so far. I think it was, um, and, and this is on social media, but I think it was between 40 and 45% 10 and around, and the remainder was nine. So around 50% nine. I think that's kind of where we, uh, um, where we fell. So then I, another question I have then is, okay, so I go on and I buy, I buy my Dak Prescott star stock a, how is it, how is it determined like which specific one I own basically? Like I, that, that is a, like it, it, that is not that intuitive to me, but maybe there's just something I'm missing, but like, okay, so there's 40 cards there. There are, you know, three available for $45 and you guys are sending those all off to PSA or BGS or whatever, um, what it like, how is it determined which graded card comes back to who? Yeah. 
So every time there's a sale, the lowest card sells. Um, and so let's say there's three cards that are all listed at the same price. First one listed is the first one sold. Second one listed is the second okay. one sold, etc. And so how it works is every card is submitted by someone at some point, right? And so we process those cards, we store them away, um, they get put into that person's account and they go into our vault. Now, when someone buys that card, the card location um, isn't necessarily changing, but in our database, the ownership is changing. Right. And so we can flag, we can uh, trace every single uh, card in your specific collection to an individual card that's in our vault. Right. Okay. Yeah. Uh, which, which makes a ton of sense. So you're not um, buying, you're not buying one of the 10 Dak Prescott's you're, you're buying, buying a specific. specific Dak Prescott that we know is in this location within our vault. Right. So what's, uh, what is your guys's, you know, kind of relationship and, and submission process like with PSA right now? Like, are you guys sending all the cards you get into PSA, you know, some of the high dollar cards you get into PSA, like what, what, uh, here, you know, my, my box of cards arrives at star stock and, uh, then, then what happens to my box of cards? Yeah. So our relationship with PSA is the same as any like group submitters would be. Yeah. Um, consigners or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so basically how it works, you send your cards into us, we process them. Um, you know, we will, you know, op open up your package. Obviously we'll, we'll store them. We give all the raw cards, a light grade, a B or C, then they get stored and, and, uh, moved over to our vault in New Hampshire. Um, and then from there they get, uh, put up into your account, um, the digital representation for that card. And you'll get an email saying that they're, they're in your account, they're in your collection and they're ready to be listed and, and sold, or you can sit on them. Um, from there, you would then need to submit your card um, using one of our forms to get it sent off to PSA. And so um, we do them on a monthly basis right now. Uh, and I think we've been averaging between 1,000 and 2,000 cards sent off there each month. Yeah. So how many, how many cards are you guys getting in a month right now? And are you seeing a big rise? My, the, the, again, totally uninitiated guess. My guess would be for January through, uh, you know, whatever, December, like lat, like 2020, you guys were doing a certain number, but then like that number, my guess over the last three months, was it tripled quadrupled, like just a, a massive increase. That would be, that would be my guess. Yeah, it's closer to like five or six X. Yeah. <laughs> um, and as a result, we've uh, we've scaled up our team. We've really worked on uh, the, the, the tools that we use to process cards um, here internally. And so like comparing, I guess, last last week to the first week in January, we processed about five X, six X, um, the amount of cards per week um, than we did that. And so uh, yeah, we're, we're certainly getting more cards sent in here, which is great. I think we are at 700,000 cards in the vault now. Um, and counting, uh, we're, we're getting, we Pretty get nice. We're getting tons of cards. Yeah. Yeah. So one of the things that, uh, cause I asked some of my buddies who are more knowledgeable about, about cards than me, you know, they, they had a couple of questions. One of the things was, uh, do we anticipate you guys adding kind of like a, like a greater variety of availability? So second year cards, vintage cards, things like that. I mean, 
And again, those are areas where the demand is not nearly as high. So I imagine that these are like scaling problems down the road. Uh, you know, the amount of people who want like second year Drew Lock cards, very, very low compared to the, the people that want even, you know, Lamar Jackson rookie cards or whatever. But yeah. vintage more specifically, I guess. We will certainly expand where it makes sense. Um, yeah. and, and we will, we will stick to our core kind of beliefs, um, but look to expand where it makes sense. So like the reason why we don't take second year cards is, is kind of for, you know, the reason that you mentioned in the first few minutes. I mean, first off, there's a handful of people, maybe we can count on one or two hands where their second year cards actually demand a legitimate price. LeBron, right. Luca, maybe Giannis. I mean, but um, other than that, most people, their second year cards not really worth much. Um, the other thing too is like when you when you search player on Starstock and you buy their card, you know it's a rookie card. There's a zero percent chance that you can make a mistake and buy a second year card. Um, and so one of our you know goals is is it's kind of like to enable people like you, you know, maybe a year ago or eight months ago, huge sports fan, plays fantasy sports, knows all about the players, could tell you you know the ten best football players that are maybe undervalued right now. But can't, but can't necessarily tell you the difference between the 50 different card brands um, or the card sets that come out. And so we want to enable that person to be able to come on and, and purchase the, you know, buy into a player, or buy into a card without there being too much friction there. And so I don't think we'll take second year cards ever, but other areas where it makes more sense and we can kind of stick to, um, you know, our, our, our beliefs and, and keep things simple in the product, we'll definitely expand to. Yeah, I mean, it just like, seriously, the fact that Starstock didn't have second year Mahomes cards available, like literally probably saved me hundreds of dollars because I would have, I would have <laughs> logged on and been like, oh, I can pay, I can pay $10,000 for the Mahomes, you know, Panini Don Russ rookie card. Oh, but I can pay $500 for the second year card. It feels like a yeah. no brainer. Why would, why would this, uh, why would this spread exist? It's like, and like literally, cause I just didn't know. I, I truly, you know, did, uh, did not know any better. Um, okay. Hot topic as it pertains to the card world right now, PSA submission prices, way, way up. Uh, the, the value level, I guess, not impacted that terribly. I think like ultra modern rare cards went from like 12 bucks to I think 25 bucks, but huge price hikes in other areas. Um, what does that change anything about, you know, how you guys are submitting cards? I would imagine probably not. Uh, but then, you know, what antis like, what would you anticipate this doing to the card market? My, my thought is, it probably just makes slabbed cards more valuable in general. Like a, a $50 slabbed card goes to a $75 slabbed card and kind of a similar increase on up. But uh, you know, what is the, what is the star stock position on these price increases? Yeah. Um, I, I'd agree with you on that. I think slabbed cards will probably see an increase in price. Um, you know, there's certainly, you know, I think, uh, collectors investors anyone who's got cards they're gonna have to really be more selective with what they send um and you know i think that you know for for us here at starstock we might see um you know some of the cards that were maybe going to go to psa a few months ago um might kind of fall in the category of of cards that that they'd send to starstock because the turnaround times will be faster and um you don't you don't pay to get your 
your mm-hmm. card light graded by Starstock. We just do it. Um, and so depending on, you know, what, what your return on, on that grading uh, might be, you might decide to send some more cards to services like, like Starstock. Um, we were already seeing that prior, though. We're, we've been, for the past few months or so, we've been getting cards that come in the card savers that were clearly, you know, on their way to one of the grading companies and then uh, kind of pulled out and, and sent over to us instead. Um, and so tough, tough, to, tough to say how the market's going to react, but it, it's, um, it's interesting. We'll be watching for sure. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing for the hobby, but we'll just kind of have to wait and see what, you know, what, what happens. Yeah. I don't, I don't mean, and I don't mean to get my pitchfork out and be like, you know, PSA, like whatever it's just, but it, I mean, just, it is just the nature of something that you have to discuss. I did my very first PSA submission last week. Cause I, I had a buddy who was like, look, the prices are coming up. You need to, you need to get this in. You need to do it. And I, I have to say, it'll probably be the last time I ever do it. Um, I, I think probably in the future, I, I'm just going to take these giant stacks and uh, put them in a put them in a box and send them to you guys. Um, and that's one of the things that I was hoping that I'd be able to get out of here is that vintage cards would be added because I do have uh, some older stuff, and I, I think a lot of people do have older stuff. I mean, is that is that on the roadmap right now? You know, adding old baseball cards, you know, eighties basketball. Cause that, that stuff, you know, old, old baseball, eighties basketball, uh, that stuff has, you know, legitimate demand. At least I, I think it does. And again, I don't know anything. Yeah. It's being discussed for sure. Yeah. 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 <laughs> what about, what about like, uh, you know, Pokemon and stuff like that? I mean, maybe, maybe that's, maybe that's, uh, a bridge too far. Those are, you know, those are things with, uh, less demand relative to the sports card market. Yeah, I mean, you know, I'm not going to say no to no to anything. I I think what we're re- what we're what we're really focused on right now is building an athlete stock market with these cards, and so Pokemon doesn't necessarily get us closer in that direction. Um, right. Fascinating market though. That's abs- You know, obviously blowing up right now, and a lot of <laughs> a lot of the guys that work here at Starstock for the past week or so. Have been going to McDonald's for lunch every day to so get, the, get the, their, the shining fates. Yeah. yeah, so they can get their happy meal and, and open up their pack of cards. We actually had one of the guys last week pulled a Charizard, and everyone was going nuts in here. So <laughs> definitely appreciate the Pokemon market, but not on our roadmap anytime soon. Yeah. Um, okay. Some of the alternative grading companies. This is another thing. As someone you know, very new to cards, that gets confusing. Basically, uh, PSA is the king or the top of the mountain. Um, and then it, I, I guess it seems like people respect Beckett. Like from what I can tell from podcasts and, and everything, it seems like people think those grades are, are fine, but they also, they never give tens. Like why, why does BGS always give a 9.5? Like, I, I don't know. That doesn't, it doesn't make very much sense to me. And people yeah. seem to not send their cards into Beckett. They decided to like stagger their grades differently than PSA. So they yeah. do half they do half grades. And so a good way to think about it is like their 9.5 equals a PSA 10. I'm not saying in price or or even really in the cards, but like if you were to kind of create a uh hierarchy of the grades, like their yeah. 10 is their 9.5 is equal to a 10 and their 10 is premier to a PSA 10. Yeah. Um truly immaculate. So they're, they're, 
Yeah, their their tens sell at a premium to PSA tens, but their nine point fives sell a bit lower. Um, I think it's super interesting. Like, I think a lot of what has led PSA to kind of really, you know, grow that gap between them and the rest of the grading companies over, you know, the past year or two is just like a lot of it's just like simplicity, and it's easy. The one to ten system is easier when there's no. 0.5s in there um and, and the Beckett like, slabs are ugly like i'm sorry they're they are not some people good. think they're ugly some people think they're they look better than than psa like the gold right the gold or the silver matches with a lot of cards better cards. than the psa slab does yeah um, but like at the end of the day you send your card to get graded and you want to get a 10 like yes the, you know that's just what you want to get and so if your 9.5 is like equal you know is if your 9.5 is is really your 10 in your eyes because your 10 is premier um i just think you know the experience of when you get your cards back and you get a 9.5 instead of a 10 even though it might be the same uh you know quality card um i think that definitely plays a part in it and um psa's got the brand and they have the most expensive cards and that is the most important thing right now right like when you send your card to get graded yeah obviously it's nice that they put it in a slab and you can you can throw your slab across the room and it's not going to you know ding up the corner of your card or something but you want your card to be worth as much money as possible and psa cards are selling for the most money right now they have the brand yeah um so i i am again important reminder i know nothing i love these hga slabs the hybrid grading approach company they they match the slab to the color of your card like i saw um uh, a lamello ball yesterday that like blew my mind they're they're so cool and and i my my sense is that there have been many many companies in the history of grading to try and compete with psa uh GMA, SGC, uh, you know, so many three-letter acronyms, and and I guess it is kind of it is kind of one of those things where eventually a competitor will probably succeed to some degree, but it will be I, I don't know a little bit unpredictable. But I'm I'm wondering like, will you guys accept uh, HGA slabs, or like, would you consider sending submitting cards off to another service other than PSA, or is it just there's too much money wrapped up in the PSA submissions right now? There's not another way to go. So we currently accept PSA, BGS, and SGC. Yeah. Those are the top three in the game right now. And that's where that's where we're at right now. I don't see I mean we'll we'll see. Um maybe we'll accept another grading company. Typically like with cards we accept with grades we accept expanding into new sports I've said this before but like typically we kind of just listen to our customers um, right so we we added soccer the reason why we added soccer was so many people were dming us emailing us non-stop please add soccer please add soccer. that was the first so card we, i bought on star stock was a soccer card yeah so like we did it we had no choice um no one has emailed us or dm'd us about adding hga or any of the other grade uh grading companies and so once the demand sh- like shows that it's there, then like we'll, we'll do it if we need to do it. Um, but, you know, we haven't, we haven't had any, you know, any response there. And, and typically, you know, we, we hear from our customers. They let us, they let us know what they want. Right. Um, yeah. And so uh, this one, this hasn't been one of the things. Uh, gra- granted, I'm sure there's, 
there's a, a laundry list of, of things they'd like to, for us to work on um, prior, but no one's mentioned HGA. No one's mentioned CSG or, or any of them yet. Yeah. All right. The last thing before I let you go is I just, I, I want you to kind of uh, onboard someone new here. Like they're very interested. They're like, yeah, star stock. Don't have to go to the post office. Don't have to do this. I, I have cards, you know, sitting somewhere I want to send off. So like starstock.com, they log in, they use my promo code, Davis Maddock, use it. You get free 10 bucks. Uh, I get a free 10 bucks. What, uh, like, what are the steps that they need to take to buy cards, sell cards? Like what, what's your, what's your kind of your elevator pitch here? Sure. Well, if you have your account and you want to sell cards, pack them up, put them in a, a cardboard box, put them in top loaders. Um, if it's like less than 20 or 30 of them, um, ship them into us to, uh, you can find all the information on how to package your cards, where to address it, what cards we accept. Um, we only accept a limited amount of sets. So that's all on our FAQ. So you'd go on Starstock, you'd look at our FAQ, you'd follow the instructions, you'd ship the cards out, uh, you'd ship the cards out to us. Um, and we'd upload them and put them in your collection. You'll get an email when they're ready for you to list them for sale or when they're in your account. Um, and if you're, you know, coming in and looking to buy some players or buy some cards, um, you know, I use the promo code, load up, load up your account with some money. Um, and then, you know, browse the site, you know, we have different windows on the marketplace that kind of break down um, different themes. So you can, you can browse by um, some of the hottest deals that we've hand selected on the site. You can browse by latest sold or by, um, you know, new cards that just entered the vault. Um, and then when you're, you know, when you found a, a player, or you found a card that you, that you want to buy, you can either buy it outright at that listed price and it will instantly become yours, or you can place a bid. Um, if you place a bid, we immediately send an email notification to the person that owns that card. They're very um, handy. The email notifications are nice. Yeah. Great. Yeah. And then that person can go in and accept your bid. Um, and then you'll get an email saying that you have a new card or they might decide to not accept your bid and maybe they decide to lower their price. Um, and then you guys are in a little bit of a kind of a bidding war um, and uh, you can play that game as well. And so really simple, um, you know, uh, it's a bid ask model, just like the stock market. Um, and it's pretty straightforward. And, and most of the, uh, most of your questions can be answered on the FAQ. Yeah. The FAQ, very helpful. The platform is, um, it's pretty intuitive. Uh, it, it really like the, the layout's very simple. The user interface, like I, I could send my dad, uh, my star stock referral code. And I, I think that he could, um, more or less figure it out. Okay. Very last question. Tout me a card, tout me, tout me a buy. It, do, it doesn't have to be one you own. doesn't have to be, uh, just, it could be whatever range. Give me, give me a buy of a, of a card that you expect to appreciate over the next calendar year. I'm sorry oh, if I put you on the spot, but I, yeah. I got to do it. Okay. Hey, well, you know, I like, I like your thoughts with football. Uh, the, the market's very cyclical, right? And people are watching basketball right now and people are getting super excited for baseball season mm -hmm. and football's kind of in its down period. So this is typically a great opportunity to go and find some of those players that um, you might not be able to get at this price in a few months. Um in terms of an individual player that I really like, um, I'm going to do some wishful thinking here, all right? Because I'm a Giants fan. 
Okay. And so, you know, with Daniel Jones, it's either going to go one of two ways. You know, you can buy his card now. Let's look up his prism while we're on here. Um, you can buy his I, card now. I like this theory, by the way. This is I, I'm on board on this. Buying the the dips on quarterbacks who have like a wide range of outcomes. I love it. Yeah, I mean, like, so a great example for this is Baker Mayfield. You go look at his chart on our site because after I'd say about six or seven weeks, the the talk on SportsCenter, the talk on ESPN was Baker Mayfield's the worst quarterback in the NFL. That's literally yeah. what people were saying. And his card dipped so low where if you bought it at the low, um, it, mu it must be trading five, six X of where it was right now. Um, and so with Daniel Jones, yeah, I'm what, literally what looking numbers? at it. The 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 star stock A uh, traded as low as sixteen dollars, uh, and, and now uh, a star stock A is one hundred and forty nine, uh, and there are five for sale at that price. And the the latest sale was look uh, latest sale of PSA ten was two forty. So, just to give you guys an idea, like this is something that definitely happens because people overreact in the off season. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, totally. And that was in the middle of the season. He was the worst quarterback in the NFL. Like that's what you couldn't, you couldn't watch any like football, you know, whether it's a part of the interruption or sports, you know, sports center, whatever it was like, that's literally what they were talking about. So I like Daniel Jones, his last sale for his prism star sake was 28 bucks. Now he's someone where uh, after eight weeks of, of this first season, like we're either going to say, all right, you know, Daniel Jones sucks and the giants are going to draft a quarterback next year or or he becomes the guy and he's the starting quarterback on the New York giants. And his card is not going to be 28 bucks. It will probably Correct. be four or five X that at least. Um, and so I'm, I'm wishful thinking here. I'm a giants fan. I don't actually own any of his person base cards, but I'd like, I'd like for them to appreciate. So I'm going to go with, I'm going to go with DJ. Okay. Uh, I will give out his division rival Jalen hurts. You can get his, panini rookie stuff for uh not quite as cheap he's actually a little bit more expensive but uh i think what's most interesting about hertz is i think he's gonna put up some crazy video game rushing numbers and when guys do really well in fantasy football that is gonna have a direct correlation to their card prices at least in in my again totally inexperienced opinion everyone i got Scott, another one that i got oh actually, yes I got let's go one. i got another one that's more short term um I also don't any, own any of these either, but typically what happens with, when someone gets traded or anytime they're in the news, people just go buy their cards. Go and buy their so cards. The worst kept secret in the whole entire NFL was Carson Wentz, Wentz was getting traded. Was going to get that traded. Was, was literally free money. Like it was free money. All you had to do was buy him before he got traded and sell him the day he got traded or the day after. And so I think Deshaun Watson's kind of in that boat where you can buy some Watson cards, just wait for him to go somewhere else. And people are going to be buying um, those cards on that day. It's going to be the number one uh, headline in sports um, on that given day. And so I think that's another safe one as well. And God forbid you can't get rid of that card. Like he's one of the. What, yeah, he's going to be great. He's going to be great for a decade. Yeah. Yeah. So I like that one, too. Yeah, uh, I, I really like I really like that one. So everyone, uh, thank you, Scott, very much for his time. He's a busy man running running a company that I said is going to be worth a billion dollars someday. Uh, definitely check out StarStock.com. Uh, links to everything is going to be in the description of this podcast, and we'll be back next week. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So. 
No, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. 